think. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. Good morning from my side. What an amazing privilege um, it, is, it is to be here this morning and be able to share the Word of God above everything. Um, I just love, thank you, Ben, for serving us so wonderfully this morning. I've felt like, can we just stay here, <laughs> you know, and not, and not leave? But we're going to continue to worship Jesus um, through the Word of God this morning. Uh, my wife and I, we've been part of Every Nation, uh, this great spiritual family in, here in Tswane, Every Nation, for more than 14 years. And so um, it's just, for us, amazing blessing to be part of this specific local congregation. We feel welcomed. We feel loved. Um, we know some of you, and, and hopefully to get, get to know more of you. Um, and thank you for being just an amazing church uh, to the world out there, reflecting Jesus. Um, that is my uh, amazing family. That's my wife, Renee. Um, we've got four wonderful children. Ruben, the eldest. Uh, Mia, there next to me. And then Kayla and Lisa Nay, twins. Um, keeping us very busy. <laughs> and then also, in end of July, we, um, we have another one on the way. Another little girl. So we are thankful. Um, yeah. I don't know if I'm stupid or anything, but um, <laughs> maybe it's just faith. Hey, God said, be fruitful and multiply. Come on, what's wrong with you? <laughs> um, and so uh, we've, also, we've always wanted five kids, and so we're thankful. God is good. God is good. So obviously you guys know we're in this uh, amazing series. I've got the privilege to end off the series. Last week, Jonathan, um, he preached on holiness lived and how... We received a new identity, right, that's called holy, declared by God because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so I want to build on that um, this, this morning and preach on holiness completed. That is, that is our topic. And so, Father, I pray that you would uh, break open the word to us, that you would help us to receive that which you want for us as a congregation, but specifically, Lord, open up our eyes to see you so that we may reflect you and live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. I, um, I, I want to quickly share something. As I prepared, I felt that God showed me something um, that's kind of part of the sermon, but not really part of the sermon. Let's call it a side note. But I just felt that I want to share it just before then I, I share, uh, I open up with the, with the word. But I, I sense that as we are preaching about holiness and as we're breaking open who God is uh, in His glory and that He's calling us to be holy just like He is holy, I felt like... Um, there is such a battle for your holiness. There's a battle for our holiness, and some of you are really experiencing this battle to be heightened in this time. That's almost like the temptation is, God, is, is more. Uh, and, and I want to say this to you today, that the devil is a liar. He is a liar, and all he wants to do is uh, mislead you, tempt you, tempt you, so that he can condemn you. He's called uh, the... Um, uh, the accuser of the brethren. He wants to accuse you. He wants to tell you that what God has done on the cross for you is nonsense. And that he wants you to eat up his lies so that you may walk in it, be ineffective for God, and live uh, in the lie that keeps you bound that Jesus already delivered you from. And so I want to tell you, Romans 8 says that uh, you are not condemned. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, right? There's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ. So this morning, 
If you've been just, if the, if the, uh, if you've been experiencing a height in terms of this temptation, I want to tell you that God has given you a way out. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And resist the devil and he will flee from you. That is a promise. You have the ability to overcome sin. God will not give you uh, something that you're not able to live. What kind of a God is that? He's given you his spirit and his grace within you to resist the devil so that you can live an upright and godly in this present age. Amen? That is the God we serve. And that is what he called us to. And you are able to, you tell the devil where he should go because God has already done it for you. Amen? You are not condemned. Receive that forgiveness. Okay, now we can start preaching. Okay, so let's, let's, let's open up. Um, let's read the word this morning, and I'm trusting that God would speak to us. So in the light of what Jesus has done for us, this beautiful table that speaks about what he has done and his grace for our lives, <clears throat> uh, and eternity, we're going to be reading from Revelation 21, from 1 to 7. You can follow on the board. You're welcome to follow in your Bibles as well. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1 to 7. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling, uh, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye, <clears throat> and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. And the one who conquers uh, will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. He will be my son. What an amazing piece of scripture. We know that the book of Revelation um, is full of this imagery and these and this pictures of, of what is to come and what would happen. And so uh, the author of the book is called John. He was also the beloved disciple. Um, he was not special. He just felt that he was beloved, if you didn't know that. Uh, John, he had a great um, understanding of God's love. And so he called himself the beloved disciple of, jo of Jesus, John. Um, he was on the island Patmos, he, and then God gave him these visions, and he wrote down. And so he wrote down what he saw. And the book of Revelation is basically a, uh, a work that shows the progressive victory of Jesus over sin and evil of this world. And in, it was written to the first century church in that time, and they were, they were you know, struggling a lot. He was seeking to encourage them. Well, God gave him what he had to write down for the encouragement of the church in that time. They were facing persecution, uh, un ungodly Roman society they were living in, and there were many false teachers as well. And so he wrote to them, and to encourage them and inspire them to keep on living and fo following Jesus and living for Him. It's almost like having this picture is like an athlete. Maybe some of you can, can relate to that. An athlete that sees the prize at the end, that um, almost sees the victory. 
he is motivated to continue. He is motivated to keep on, to keep on pushing. So three points or three observations I want to make from the scripture this morning. A new creation, a new hope, and new life. A new creation. And then I saw the new heaven and the new earth for the first uh, heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And so the scripture gives us this promise of God making all things new, right? That he is restoring all things back to its original created purpose. Our destination is a new creation. And so at the fall, we know that everything got messed up, right? At the fall, the story of creation begins firstly with God created everything in five days, uh, created the earth, everything they're in, and then he said it was good, right? At the end, he said it was good, and then he created, on the sixth day, he created man, and he said it was very good. And he created Adam and Eve, man, you and I, to reflect his image, his glory, and his holiness. That was the purpose. And that we would work this earth and to harness it for the glory of God and not for self, right? But then everything got lost at the fall. As I mentioned, it was messed up. Man disobeyed God. He was misled by the devil and he distrusted God's word in a moment and believed the lie like he is still doing today. And that led to sin, gave rise to death, and the decay of the earth and life as we know it, right? And so three things was lost at the fall, primarily. There was a, there was a bunch of things, but one, fellowship with God. This amazing, extraordinary closeness relationship with God, this fellowship with God that was lost. The Bible says they were walking with Him in the cool of the day. Uh, just creating this picture of this, this unity, this closeness, this perfection, the second thing was they lost immortality, meaning their ability to live forever. You know that God created us to live forever? And, and they lost that in a moment. And, they were, and, and then we all were subjected to death, but also for many, a second death that would come for eternity. And that was lost. And then also we, we lost in essence uh, the ability to rule and reign as he meant it then. We lost the abundant life to live in that He meant for us. And many of us, you know, in many ways, have, have always, we, we don't really look far from our own country and maybe from our own lives and from our own families to see uh, this reality of what was lost and what we see what was God's original created intention and purpose for us. But Revelation 21.4. And you seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. I am making all things new. You know, many people live with a theology of doom and gloom. Uh, what do I mean by that? They, they believe that everything is bad and that it will just get worse and that there's actually no hope. There's no hope of a future because, man, it is bad. And if you read, you know, the book, we just see it gets worse. Many people sit with that theology to think, man, and you know what that creates? It creates a, a self-centered life to protect only self and to live for self so that you can just be okay. And it creates no hope. But I want to tell you that Jesus is making all things new, my friends, and that he has begun making all things new. Um, you know, it's not, 
it's, while things are getting worse, now, it's only a sign. It's only a sign, um, and it's not evidence that the battle is lost. I want to tell you that the battle is won, and it's only a sign that Jesus will return. But the truth is, the battle is won. The truth is that you and I, we already, if we have put our faith in Jesus and we can partake from this communion, knowing that His grace has saved us. You know where we live from? We live from victory. We approach every single situation from a place of already being victorious. Revelation creates this picture of what it would look like, what our destiny is, and that is one of absolute victory already won by Jesus that started 2,000 years ago. At the cross, the curse of the decay and of the fall of man was reversed. It was reversed. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And so he became what we should have got. And we received what we, what we are not deserving of. But we he reversed that curse so that now he can start make all things new. Right? The victory is won. But you need to understand there's still a battle to be fought. But we are not fighting a losing battle. We are not fighting a losing battle. We are fighting a, a battle that we are going to win. Uh, if you're going to be partaking in a match, or if you, if, if you know that you're going to lose, you're like, I don't want to be part of this. <laughs> like I don't, that, that's, I'm, I'm like that. I'm like, oh, we're going to lose anyway, so why do you want to do this? Right? You want to be part of a winning team. I want to tell you you're part of the winning team. And that the victory is already won. It is already ours. Uh, at the cross, everything changed. You know what that means? It means we can have hope. It means that our situation does not mean it is final. It means that God has the final say. It means that we have this beautiful picture of what it all ends like. The kingdom of God is advancing. The kingdom of God is advancing despite um, the reality that we see around us. It is advancing. Uh, God gives Daniel, in the book of Daniel, a vision also of the end and of Jesus and his kingdom. In Daniel 7, 14, and he says, And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. You know, although you see, although you and I see the effects of sin in our world, which we do, I want to tell you that's not evidence that the kingdom is not advancing. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and it is advancing. And, you, and the most beautiful thing is you and I get to be a part of that advancing, and that we are invited into, into this advancing of His kingdom. We might be in this world, but we are not of this world. We belong to a different kingdom, Revelation 21.6 says, and he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. What was lost in Genesis in the beginning, God will restore and make new in the end in Genesis, right? Church, I want to remind you that there is no mountain too big that cannot be moved. That there's no life too far removed from God that cannot be healed and that cannot be saved. There's no desperate situation that you are facing that uh, is not too difficult for God. 
when we start to see the picture of the end, when we start to see what it all should look like, you can, you can come back with a hope in your heart to know that what I am facing is not that bad and it's not greater than God. And you know what? The creation is waiting for the sons and the daughters of God to be revealed, Romans 8. Uh, the creation is yearning and waiting for us to play a part in all things being made new. In Romans 8, verse 19 to 21, it says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and to obtain the freedom. Church, do you know that Jesus has called you to be part of making all things new? Have you ever considered that Him who died on the cross, who created everything, has chosen you? Not to just live for yourself and just hopefully that you make it in this life and you do make enough money and that you can have this small piece of security. No, the boundaries are broken. You have been called. There's a greater mission for us. We are the sons and daughters of God waiting to be revealed to creation so that they may see the original created purpose for man to reflect the glory and the holiness of God. He has called you to reflect that. It's on your life. No matter where you sit right now, what you think of yourself, what you have or, do, or you do not have, that does not matter because a God is looking down at you and said, go my son, go my daughter, reflect my glory. And so the whole earth is waiting, church. How are you living today? How are you living today? Are you living as one that is defeated? We're just trying to get through, man. We're just trying to make it, Eugene. We're just trying to pay the bills. I'm telling you, you're living from victory, man. You're living from victory. Who is the God that you serve? How are you living today to share the gospel and to reflect the glory of God? Point number two, a new hope. We have a new hope. So the scripture, the scripture paints a picture, right, of eternity. But it brings this contrast between um, that which is eternal and that which is temporal. And unfortunately, many Christians live as if earth is their final destination, right? And so um, some of you might have, might have even seen this example. Um, Francis Chan is a gifted speaker and preacher of the word. Okay, let's leave this one. It's not working. Here we go. And so obviously this is a rope. If you know, this is a rope. And this rope, um, I asked the power team this morning. It runs out this door. And then they actually, I asked them to take it around Greenpoint in the Cape. They came back. And that's the other, other side. It just fell short. So the reason why it's so long is because it represents your life. This rope represents your life. Your entire life. And you see this little black tape over here. This represents your life on earth. In light of uh, your life here on earth, this is what eternity looks like. It kind of uh, runs around Greenpoint Stadium. It comes back and then actually it just doesn't stop. It continues. It goes back. It circles the globe a couple of times and then just continues on to wherever knows, but it never stops. And your little life actually is about this long. 
in the light of eternity. Right? And so, as Christians, many a times, we live a life that is so temporal, right? And we place the value of what is happening here on earth so high. And we forget that our lives here is but short and there is but an eternity that's waiting for us. And we can be so fixated on the success of this world, forgetting that the biggest success is found in Jesus waiting for us. We have only this short moment, friends, to decide whether we're going to be eternity with Jesus or not. We have this short time to decide how our lives will really look like. And we're making the decision now. And sometimes we live so, we're so fixated on the happiness here and right now. We're so afraid of of suffering, we're so afraid of, of um, uh, death, but it's only a pinprick. It's only a, such a short, minute in the perspective of everything. You know that heaven is the fulfillment of all our heart's longings that will be fulfilled one day, that we will receive. And so the devil wants to keep you bound in that which is temporal, church. He wants to mislead you in believing that the temporal will give you some sort of fulfillment and satisfaction and meaning and purpose beyond God. But the temporal is always short-lived. It's always short-lived, and then you need to go for more. And it will never satisfy, right? It never satisfied, but we have been set apart. We have been set apart. You know what? What we also have been set apart for? Eternity. Eternity with Jesus where we will experience the abundance of everything He has for us. But church, in the light of eternity, how are we living our lives? Is it so fixated on the temporal? Are we so running after the things of this world? Is it so of value and important for us in the light of what He has for us? And my, my, my hope this morning is this scripture will bring us into new perspective of what we are living for. And I want to say to you, it's not worth it. You know that business deal that's a, bit, a little bit gray? It's not worth it. You know that relationship that you just can't seem to resolve? It's not worth it. The bitterness in your heart? Come on, man, it's not worth it. I'm going to tell you, in heaven, you're probably going to have to reconcile. But why don't you do it now? So that you can experience the life that Jesus already died for you. It's not worth it, guys, just to gain a bit of money, just to gain a bit of status. It's not worth it. We have it all already. We have it in Christ. The devil will feed you his lies. Don't take it. Amen? In the light of that church, how are you living your life? In the light of eternity. And then my final point, new life. New life. And I heard a loud voice from the throne. Behold, the dwelling places, the dwelling place of God is worth man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God will be with them as their God. You know what the goal is of holiness? The goal of holiness is the simplicity of perfect relationship with Jesus forever. That we can, and listen to this, it is a real promise that we can experience in a, in a there's a measure of God's, of, of relationship with God that you and I can experience to such a full extent and obviously definitely fuller in the life to come that we see. But I want to tell you that there's more for you right now that we have. The goal of holiness is relationship with God. In verse 4, He will wipe 
away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. There's some of you that need to hear that this morning. Some of you that need to gain a new perspective. That I know that it's, it's, it might be a battle. I know that it might be sad. All of us have, have experienced this mourning, crying, pain. We've lost a loved one, maybe too early. Maybe there's sickness. Maybe some of you are going through a, 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 a valley at the moment of some sort that you're experiencing pain. Maybe it's sickness. But Jesus promised us that the end result of a life dedicated to the gospel and to his holiness as one that is free of pain, that's free of sickness, that's free of death. And that is the hope that we have in him. That, is, that gives us hope for our souls that you know what? The, this world does not have the final say. What we experience now is not the final verdict. Amen? We have a new life that is waiting for us. With a new creation, with no pain, with no tears, with no death. And the final, final scripture in verse 6 says, To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. And so Jesus promises to the one who longs for him, who seeks for him, who thirsts for him, who is devoted to him, that he will be filled. That he will be filled. You know, that this speaks of a, a satisfaction that we have in him. Have you, have you seen someone that looks secure and completely satisfied? You can see it. They're not running after things in this world and this life. and You can see it on them. You know what, the, the, the only way that you and I can be perfectly secure and really filled is that if we, our hunger is directed towards Jesus. For, for you to be filled, right, if we, you know, keep thinking about this table again, I love eating um, very much. So I believe we're going to eat in heaven, baby. Yes. Um, I wish I could have a personal cook. Okay, now let's not go there. Um, maybe in heaven. Jesus. Um, I'm distracting myself. Uh, you need to come hungry to the table. To enjoy the food, you need to come hungry to the table. Some of us, you know what, you, you know what prevents our hunger? Pride. Pride prevents our hunger for the Word of God. Pride prevents our thirst for that which is of real value and of worth. And it stands in the way. And God is calling us to leave our pride behind and hunger and thirst for Him. Matthew 5 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. For they shall be filled. In, in, um, I was reminded, I was reminded about the revival in the Hebrides in the 1949 to 1952. God poured out His Spirit on this little island in Scotland. And you know how this revival started? It was incredible. It is an entire nation that turned to Jesus. And you know where it started? Two old ladies. I have, unfortunately don't have the photo for you. Really, two old ladies. Peggy and Christine Smith. They were sisters. And you know how it started? They hungered and they thirsted for the righteousness of Jesus. Uh, there's accounts said that they would be see, seeing that their lights would be burning from 2 o'clock in the morning. 
And you know what they would be doing? They'd be praying. They're seeking after Jesus. They've been praying and praying. And so uh, more people started praying. More people started, uh, God answered their prayer. And more people started hungering and thirst for what is right, for what is good. And revival broke out. There's no time for the whole story. But the Hebrides, the revival bro- broke out and such. They couldn't control it. People were coming to Jesus, they would, like, they would not end. They would say, no, we are not done with church. People will just come in. It wouldn't stop. And these towns were saved. Those who, are f- who thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. Um, and that is a promise. And my question to you this morning, church, are you still hungry for Jesus? Are you still thirsting for what is right? We have been set apart for righteous living. Are you still thirsting and, and hungering after that? Um, which pleases God. And will fill you. As I conclude, I want to invite the band to come up. And I want to say this as we conclude our series and end this morning. I want to say to you that we, we can live the life that God is calling us to. We've been called to be set apart. Right? Two reasons. One, and this is the summation of of everything that we've had in the six weeks. One, to reflect the glory of Jesus so that the world may see who He is, so that the creation can be restored and be made new and will be made new eventually. And secondly, so that the kingdom may advance. So that the kingdom of Jesus may advance and He's calling you and I and He's inviting you and I to advance His kingdom. And so, Revelation gives us, as I end, this revelation, this picture of a new creation that we will inherit that is ours, of a new hope that we can have right now, and a new life that we have right here, but also that we would have for eternity. Will you stand with me, churches? I'm going to pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning that you are the eternal God. We thank you that at the cross, you've started to make all things new. And we thank you that in you, that there is ultimate hope. In you, there's ultimate life. There's ultimate fulfillment. And this world cannot give it to us. And so this morning, Lord Jesus, we fix our eyes on you, the author of and the finisher of our faith. I want to pray this this prayer over you. Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings to us so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. It's a beautiful song that says, turn your eyes to Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. And there's a a song we're going to sing, but before we sing it, I, 
I want to make a call. I'm going to make one call, but it's got three parts. For people that I want to pray with. Number one, the people that have lost hope and live in despair, consumed by the realities of their life and of this world. And that if you, if you really look inside of your heart, that you kind of just, the hope is little. Number two, people who realize, you realize today how much value you're placing on this world and, and its temporalness. I don't think that's a word. But you're living more for what is temporal than what is eternal. And you've placed more value on it than what God has for us here and right now. And then thirdly, people that have stopped thirsting for God to pursue His holiness and to live a life that's set apart. And so if you know that is you this morning, if, if, if in any way, just, just raise your hand. I'm just going to be praying with you. That's just a response. It's a humility response before Jesus saying, Lord, I need you. This is me. And so, Jesus, we want to pray and we want to come and come before you, Lord, this morning where, we, where we've lost hope. We put our faith back in you to know that we have eternal hope in you, Lord Jesus. We thank you that we know how it ends. The victory is done. You have won and that you are now with us. And we can have hope in this, this present time. We can live with faith. We can look to you and we can run this race without growing weary, falling into despair um, and into depression and into hopelessness. Every hopeless heart and mind this morning, in Jesus' name, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes and see God who is with you, who loves you, who is there for you and nothing is impossible for Him. Put your faith in Him today, anew and afresh. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you forgive us where we have made too big of the things of this world. We thank you, Lord, that all things that you give us is from you. It's from your goodness. <laughs> and that you give it to us. And you want it for us. But Lord, ah, may it not become so more important in our value than who you are, that we would live for what is eternal, for what is of true value. And finally, Lord Jesus, forgive us for hungering and thirsting after the things of this world that we think gives us meaning and value. Lord, you are the only one that can fill us, and, and we want to acknowledge our need before you as a church. And we want to humble ourselves before you and say, forgive our pride, Lord Jesus, and fill us, fill us with who you are, fill us with what you've meant for us. Our church godliness with contentment is great gain, not the gain of this world. Lord, we want to gain you. Create a hunger in us for you, Lord. It's all about you. It's all about you, Lord Jesus. We worship you. We worship you, Lord, and we give you praise. Amen.